but it's possible to do this. And I see guys around here where we're dealing with wet ground, we're dealing with um, intensive systems, and they do manage to do it very well by clever use of flucocytes early in the year, by preserving ground and preserving pasture for finishing lambs later in the year that isn't heavily contaminated. And there are ways of doing it. Hello, I'm Kieran Lynch, and welcome to Overcast, the Chicago Sheep Podcast. Each episode will bring you the insights, advice, and technical updates for the sheep industry. In this week's episode, we chat to veterinarian Shima Getrick, who is a laboratory manager at the Department of Agriculture's Region Veterinary Lab in County Sligo, about the fluke challenge this winter. We start off discussing the department's fluke forecast and how it may be a more challenging season for fluke. We move on to discuss treatment, which chain highlighting the importance of choosing the correct active ingredient, potential flucoside resistance, and why it's important to work with your vet to put a control program in place on your farm. We finish up discussing room fluke and the risk it may pose in certain farms. We start off, however, with Shane discussing what fluke-related issues are seen in the lab at this point in the season. We're seeing a lot of fluke at the minute. Um, in I'm based here in a lab in the northwest in Sligo, and um, we see a lot of fluke every year. But um, this year in particular, from speaking to my colleagues in the other RVLs around the country, I think it's a thing that... Um, Everyone is seeing um, plenty of fluke, even even places that would have prided themselves on having very few cases of fluke, having such dry land, but they're all seen at this time of year, this year. Um, the um, main type of fluke we're seeing this time of year is acute fluke. Um, acute fluke tends uh, is caused by the larval stages of the parasite as it's migrating through the liver. Um, and... That happens at the back end of the year when the ground has become very contaminated by the infective stages. And you've got these um, usually younger animals out grazing, um, grazing hard, grazing tight to the ground, <clears throat> maybe on wetter patches of ground that um, maybe heavier cattle and things like that haven't been able to graze. Um, and um, you get a, a a, a large number of these infective stages of the fluke um, uh, swallowed and they begin to migrate through the liver and they cause a very, very severe hepatitis, which then can cause diarrhea and which causes the animal to not be able to regulate its own protein. And you get animals that can die very suddenly, even without um, the normal diarrhea that you might expect if they had um, lower numbers of fluke there so as a rule of thumb generally the the back end of the year we see mostly um acute fluke in um young animals and then we still all the time in the background you'll get a certain amount of chronic fluke but usually in in older in older animals and usually in places where there isn't just as high a burden that there isn't enough larvae there to kill off the animal i think the last point you touched on shane's important like the challenge on pasture is going to have a bearing on whether it's acute or chronic fluke. Yeah, so when it comes to fluke, it's all about the challenge on the pasture. Um, it's a it's a huge thing, and it's a thing that I think that farmers and um, need to, need to realise that it, it, you know as the as the year goes on, the um, number of these infective stage of the fluke larvae are building, building, building on their ground. Um, fluke has a, a complicated life, life cycle. It relies on an intermediate host, which is a snail. Now, theoretically, that snail um, is only active during the, the summer months and the warmer months of the year. But with the way that we've been having very mild, wet weather, 
um, right up without frost, right up until, you know, sometimes Christmas um, some years, that leaves that snail very active. Um, and that, that snail um, produces a huge amount of these infective larvae that then cause the damage in the sheep. So it's it's the contamination of that that has built up right from, we'll say, even from March, April in the year, building, building, building on the ground. And then it reaches a crescendo as we come towards the end of the year. And it's the number of those infective larvae that's on the grass blades that the sheep come in then and mop up that causes the real acute damage. Um, chronic damage is caused by... Um, fluke that are able to complete their life cycle so a fluke that you know get if there isn't that many fluke that get into the liver there the fluke go through their life stages in the sheep and they get to an adult stage they go out into the gallbladder and they start to produce eggs and um that's what you'll see in in chronic fluke there'll be a certain amount of damage in the liver there but the livers are actually very um uh, good at healing so as long as they're not overwhelmed completely, the liver will heal. You'll get some chronic um, scarring going on in the liver, but generally it won't be enough to kill the animal unless it builds up season after season. So chronic fluke, we see more problems with that in older sheep that have been exposed to this low um, level of um, contamination, this low level of infection um, throughout numerous seasons. Um, and it's that's a very important point for when it comes to try and understand, you know, what what a, a dung sample and the results of a dung sample mean. I suppose just and we state absolute basics here, but just to put all in context, as you indicated earlier, in the acute stage can easily cause mortality in the chronic phase. It is debilitating. It's going to reduce performance. It's going to leave sheep open to other diseases as well. So they're all production limiting. Yes, they are. The acute fluke tends to grab the headlines because what we see in that is you'll see um, young young lambs, you know, often lambs that are uh, being prepared for slaughter that um, are uh, die off. And uh, it can be very severe in a flock. You know, you can get a very um, large mortality rate there and never mind the ones that are set back after it. So that that tends to grab the headlines. But it is important to remember that when you've got bad fluke on a farm, that the damage that's done to the liver never fully goes away. There's a cumulative effect of that scarring that's going on and on there in the liver. You're beginning to get a, a liver that's less able to function properly. It's less able to contribute to the digestion that the animal needs it for. And so we see these older sheep then with this cumulative damage over seasons that um, aren't able to perform for as long as you'd expect them to do. So you see higher cull rates in, in, in farms with those problems. And you see um, problems with them getting back in lamb. You see problems with them being able to care for lambs in the springtime. You know, so it, it 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 is a fluke problem on a farm. I think in Ireland, I, I I tell people it's probably the most significant thing, disease wise, that they have to deal with. Shane, just in terms of the level of challenge this year, it's been a particularly wet year. I'm conscious that the Department forecast fluke forecast came out the past two weeks. Um, I know it's it's difficult to paint a picture over the whole country, particularly where you are in the northwest. This is par for the course. But I'll throw the question: Is this a slightly riskier year is it one where potentially and particularly given the weather we've had up in the list recent cold snap it's been quite mild is it potentially a year where the fluke risk will continue for longer yeah so um as you say the the department's um 
fluke forecast was published, um, I think about two weeks ago now. Um, and that that's compiled from two um, basic data sets that I, I suppose I better explain. The uh, first data set is the meteorological data. So it's um, coming from the Met Office, looking at um, the temperatures and the rainfall that have occurred throughout the year. And it's all compiled by a mathematical model into what's called the Alurantia um, Index. Um, and we're used to this in the Northwest in that it always seems to be high risk when it comes to weather along the Western seaboard. It's just the, the way it goes. Um, but what we're seeing this year is that the whole country is actually in um, a, a higher risk um, uh, uh, status than in previous years. So even looking down at the drier parts of the country in the, the Southeast, now, although they're not at the stage where I think it's above um 500 or above 400 we talk about disease being prevalent um but a lot of the ones in um the southeast of the country are between 3 and 400 which means that there can be occasional disease there in flocks uh, which is you know it's it's it strikes me as higher this year than i would have seen it in in previous years so um a lot comes into play then depending on the you know the the local environment and the quality of the land that the the person is dealing with and the type of habit habitats that's there for the snails and the burdens that are on the farm. So that's the, the meteorological side of it. The other thing that goes into compiling the fluke forecast is um, we do a survey of lamb bloods that are going through um, abattoirs. So really what we're doing on these bloods is we're looking to see if these lambs have been exposed to fluke um, up until the point that they're slaughtered and we're we're measuring the immune response in them so what we're seeing in that it's 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 less pronounced than the weather um forecast what we're seeing in that as we expect always we we're seeing um uh, a lot of flocks in the northwest and along the west of the country that um you know have have been um exposed to fluke already in the year um what we haven't seen is we haven't seen a huge amount of positive um, flocks coming from the east of the country. But I'm I'm a little bit worried about that in that I, I think we need to put in a caveat there that it's still early days. And um, that was compiled, if, you know, in the in the over the summer months. And um, there is based on the weather that we've had this year, there is a chance that, you know, um, we would expect that there would be flocks in the east of the country that um, would be exposed as the year goes on and uh, you know as it's still it's not too it's not too late for that to have occurred the third thing and it's not directly sheep related but the you know um, as part of the department monitoring through the beef check scheme that goes through the the cattle that go through the um abattoirs you know we're, we're seeing a lot of liver fluke in cattle again very much on the western side but there seems to be more of it also from eastern counties as well so um that's out southern counties so um the indicators point towards this being a a, a difficult year in terms of fluke and um what i'd be worried about in um Farms in the um, southeastern part of the country, especially, is that maybe they haven't factored in fluke or that maybe they wouldn't be as used to having it as a problem in their flocks. And just to be aware that if they if they see things that looks like fluke, it could be, well, fluke this year. And maybe they mightn't ha have had it in years, but they might get it this year just based on the data we're seeing. No, I think it's important, but like, look, farm history is, is probably one of the biggest things to kick into this. But as you indicated there, like this has been a particularly wet year. It's 
in theory, ideal conditions for so, you know, the basics of observing, of checking, and if you think you have a problem, going and seeking a bit of advice on it. It's a different year than we've seen previously. It is. It's a it, you know, it's it's been a wetter year throughout the uh, summer, especially the 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 end of the summer, and again, this goes back. It's all about that snail and its habitat. So it goes back to um, that wet weather conditions. Um, makes a better habitat for the snail so its population is able to thrive. You put that together on a farm with, as you say, the previous history. So if you've got fluke on that farm, if you've got older animals that have been um, spreading even small numbers of fluke eggs out that are infecting these snails throughout the wetter months of the summer, then, you know, there is a danger and there is a risk in some of these farms that we're going to have a lot of larvae present that are going to infect animals later on in the year. Shane, in terms of control, um, look, we could talk about reducing habitats and that, but in practical terms, we're depending on treating these animals. Correct choice of treatment. And when I'm asking this, I'm conscious that there is some resistance out there. It's something we talk about the whole time, but frequently, and I'm sure this happens to you more than most, when you see a problem, when you do the case history, the choice, where they may have been treated fluke, the choice of product might have been appropriate for the time of year. Maybe just put that um, in context for me. The correct choice of treatment for this stage of the season, the impact that can have, and what level of resistance you're potentially seeing on farms. Yeah. So when it comes to resist, or when it comes to treatment, and I, w- I want to talk a little bit about resistance as we go on, but uh, when it comes to treatment of fluke, um, you need to pick a product. <laughs> that's going to um, kill the stage of the fluke that's causing the disease. So at this time of year, so from autumn onwards, the type you need something that's active against the larvae that are in the liver. So you're talking about products that are um, against uh, that are active against immature stages of um, liver fluke. Um, in in um, summertime and in springtime, um, what you need there is you need to try and prevent contamination of the ground. So it's the adults that produce the eggs that contaminate the ground. So at that stage of the year, it's fine to treat them with something that's going to um, uh, uh, kill off the the adult stages. What we see in the labs, and you know, every year, and it's 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 heartbreaking to see it when it happens. But every year we see the same thing. We we see. Guys that come into us with high mortality, um, high morbidity, you know, uh, 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 flocks of sheep that are uh, very uh, badly set back, large numbers of losses. We open them up on the PM table. It's acute fluke. Um, their livers are shot. They're being destroyed by larvae. And, you know, on the submission sheet and when they're coming in, they tell us that they have they have dosed them, that they've been done. And at that stage, it's unfortunately, it's the it's the phone call that you don't want to be getting from me where it's you're trying to uh, go back over the history to explain how come what you thought was going to work didn't work. And time and time again, when we make that phone call and when we talk to the people involved, it's that they have used the wrong product. It's that they have um, underestimated the level of contamination of these infective stages of fluke that are on their ground. And then that they have, um, even when they know that they have to treat for fluke, that they've picked a product that it is not active against the stages that are going to cause the disease for them. So um, we'd say probably the most um, effective product in terms of um, 
killing early stages. And again, as long as there isn't a resistance problem, is triclobendazoles. Um, you know, they, they're they're um, our go-to product when we want to take on uh, a acute fluke, um, followed then by ones that work against um, some of the late um, immature stages, things like, you know, your uh, clazantyls, your um, nitroxynols. Um, very important to understand that a lot of the white drenches, the albendazoles, they have very little effect against the um, larval stages. So they're fine for dealing with um, uh, 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 um, adult fluke, but um, they're not going to do much to help you out when your uh, livers are being attacked by huge numbers of these uh, larvae that the uh, young lambs are hoovering up from highly contaminated ground. Jane, we, we touched on resistance with trichloroprenicol. I suppose it was a victim of its own success in terms of its effect of right the way down. Um, we know we have some resistance in Ireland already. It's potentially risky in areas where it's been used quite a lot, where they haven't got a response to it. You'd have seen some of cases, I imagine, coming back in again from clocks to have treated with triclobrenazole, and maybe it didn't effectively kill. Yeah, so resistance is a very, very difficult concept to get across when in terms of in terms of liver fluke. Um, I try and approach it simply. Triclobrenazole, we need it. We have to protect it. Um, it's it's our best product in terms of um, dealing with um, immature larval stages. So when a guy is facing a heavy challenge on ground in a year like this, when we've had uh, you know just the climatic conditions that have created that on on his ground, he needs to be able to get in there with triclobendazole. He needs it to be effective. So um, in order for the, in in order for um, uh, uh, to prevent resistance, what you, you need to do is you need to make sure that your population of fluke that you have on your ground is um, susceptible to it. And the way you do that is not by overusing it. So triclobendazole should be held in reserve until you need it, until it's the time of year in which you need it. Now, having said that, and accepting completely that there is a resistance problem there, I worry sometimes farmers are too quick to jump to thinking that they have a resistance when maybe it's unproven and maybe when they can't be, you know, when they're, it's it's not really the case. And again, this goes back to the the challenge that the um, sheep are facing on the ground. So remember, none of these products, triclobendazole itself, itself, it has it has no residual. Um, action. So it kills off the fluke that are in the liver on the day you give it. If you put those animals back out onto the same very heavily contaminated ground again, which a lot of guys do, they're picking up those immature larvae straight away again. The other thing that happens with triclosbendazole that can um, make it appear like it has, like there's a resistance problem um, when there isn't, is that triclobendazole needs to be metabolized by the um, liver to a certain extent. So when you use it in sheep that have very severe liver disease, that metabolization doesn't happen as um, effectively as it should. So that can lead to um, an inefficacy of it. So it might look like it's um, 
not killing the fluke and which it's not doing but it's not that the fluke are resistance it's that the the um animal just is, hasn't been able to metabolize it into its active form to make it available there to kill the 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 um, immature stages the other thing we see happening is um people not dosing to the weights that they should be dosing to when it um, comes to using triclobendazole. And if you don't, when you use triclobendazole, because it's your go-to product, because it's your, it's the, it's the most effective weapon you have, you need to make sure you're getting a full kill with it. If, if you're using it and you're not giving enough of it, to a sheep, then what you're actually doing is you're selecting for the resistant parasites that are there. So any of them that are able to survive at a lower, you know, or maybe a low dose triclobendazole, they 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 um, go on to um, reproduce. And now your farm is gradually, gradually becoming um, uh, uh, more contaminated with these resistant um uh, strains of the fluke. So, um, you know, when you do use triclobendazole, it's very important you get in and you use it properly and you use it to the right weight and that um, you you use it at the right time. And that if, if you do suspect resistance there, that you talk to your vet and that you do uh, an investigation into making sure that it is really resistance and that it's it's not just that the animals are becoming reinfected quite quickly again. Like we see time and time again with um, acute fluke, we see um, animals that have been treated with a triclobendazole and then three or four weeks later, they're more, more, um, sheep in with um, acute um, fluke. And that's not because the triclobendazole didn't work. It's because they were put back out onto ground that were was heavily contaminated with these larvae and that was back into that liver and that liver was shot again within a few weeks. Look, you've raised two very interesting points there. One is highlighting that problem of animals becoming reinfected. Probably something that is more of a challenge this year, as you indicated earlier. But the second point is, we can't underestimate the basics of correct dosing technique, estimating the correct weight, particularly in the case of yews where it may be more variable. Generally speaking, we're about training, or eyes about training with lambs, but you, know, you, you can't underestimate the basics. And just on the basics, Shane, like, I suppose one other thing we have to be very conscious of too, flucocytes tend to have long withdrawals, um, particularly if we're talking about treating lambs, and you know, paying attention to that. We can easily forget if something has a withdrawal of seven or eight weeks, um, and they might be drafted. It's very important we pay attention to withdrawal dates on these products. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely because remember, um, you know, we're, we're producing food here and um, the the residues and things like that are, are tested for very closely and um, rightly so. You know, rightly so. We have we have very good pro- uh, quality products going out there from this country and it's important that... Um, we we don't do anything to compromise that. Um, having said that, I I I you know I feel for for guys that are facing um, you know acute fluke problems late in the season, um, and it's a bit of a uh, my conversations with them is always a bit of a uh, if you had talked to me three months ago I'd have been able to help you. It's a bit late now, because with those long withdrawal times, you know maybe you can't use the products that are going to give you the best kill of those immature stages. But what I try and get across to those people when I'm when I'm dealing with those unfortunate cases is that 
by prudent use of and uh, by adjusting your um, dosing regime earlier in the year, maybe you might be able to prevent that level of contamination then in, in subsequent years. And that's something a lot of guys don't think about. It's, it's, a, it's a new way of thinking, really, when it comes to parasite control is, you know, we have to think about not just dealing with the problem when it's there. We have to think about preventing the problem. And the main way when it comes to fluke to prevent that problem is by um, ensuring that you're not contaminating your ground especially for late in the year. And that involves good control of fluke in your um, in your older animals earlier in the year and then throughout the grazing season that you're that you're not um, uh, uh, contaminating and spiking your ground with these very high levels of larvae that might be present um, when it comes to September, October time. Um, that's difficult. And it's um, something that I think sheep farmers need to speak to um, their vets on and get a bit of advice on because it's something that, you know, even even when I try and advise a guy not knowing his particular management practices and not knowing what he's facing on a day to day basis. Um, you know, there's 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 a load of things that need that need to be taken into account, and especially with sheep farms, because you know there's a whole load of mixture of different management systems goes on on them, and what's practical for one person might not be practical for another, and that's a conversation that needs to be had with somebody with the knowledge, and I'd be arguing that's your vet, and it should be had very early in the year. So if you have had a fluke problem this year, the best bit of advice I can give anyone is. Talk to somebody over the winter now. Get your plan in place for how you're going to minimise your problems for next year and not be relying on the look of the weather one way or the other next year. You know, it's possible the weather can have an impact, but it's possible to do this. And I see guys around here where we're dealing with wet ground, we're dealing with um, intensive systems, and they do manage to uh, do it very well by uh, clever use of um, flucocytes early in the year, by being uh, by preserving ground and preserving pasture for um finishing lambs later in the year that isn't heavily contaminated. And there are ways of doing it. But um, as I say, it's not something that we'd be able to cover on a podcast. No, but, but it's an important point of actually putting a plan in place that looks at it over a longer period of time. It's not just a car crash scenario where we deal with the problem straight in front of us. There is a carryover effect of management from year to year. And look, certainly as you're right, Farms that house sheep and have an advantage over those that don't, it is farm specific. But I think that point stands like consult your vet, look at it on an individual basis. Um, Shane, look, I'm conscious I've held you for quite a bit on this, and we, we've discussed a lot on liver fluke. I'm going to throw a very simple one in, which is not very simple. Um, rumen fluke. Okay, so we talk about this quite a lot. Um, probably I'll put my hands up the caveat is generally speaking, we say it's not a big issue. What have you seen this year in terms of rumen fluke this back end? Does it pose a risk for some farms and what should they be looking out for? Okay, so rumor fluke is complicated and, um, you know, most of the time it causes no problems at all. And we know we know from doing our faecal egg counts that we see rumen fluke eggs in cattle and sheep throughout the year. And we see we see it throughout the country, Um, but especially in the, you know, in the wetter climatic areas of the country. We see, you know, every every uh, carcass we open here in Sligo RVL has some adult um, rumen fluke there. With rumen fluke, 
the damage is caused by the larval stages. And it's caused specifically in the small intestine. And it's very dose dependent. So it depends on how many rumen fluke eggs that an animal has been exposed to um, at a, over a very short time period. So this is where the um, weather conditions this year are coming into play, I think, because we're getting reports this year of rumen fluke in cattle and sheep um, causing problems on farms um, where they, they've never had problems before. And, you know, we're, we're hearing of these cases from, you know, um, drier parts of the country. And we think that that's related very much to the wet conditions that were present in August, September, where, where there was um, water lying on uh, pastures that sheep and cattle were out on. Um, this is, again, is the perfect habitat for the rumen fluke snail to um, uh, produce the infective stages that's going to get in and that's going to um, cause damage in the animal's gut. So um, the problem with it, and we can talk slightly about the diagnosis of it, but the problem with rumen fluke is that it, it has to be diagnosed on clinical signs. Um, rumen fluke eggs in a dung sample mean very little um, except to say that there are rumen fluke on a farm. But as I say, Lots of farms have rumen fluke; it's causing no problem. Um, but if you get if you get um, animals that are getting dehydrated, that maybe are getting a um, a very severe scour, that are set back all of a sudden, usually happens in in the course of a few days, um, and they respond then to a, a rumen fluke dose, then you know this is this is what um, has been causing the problem. Um, so it's a it's a difficult one to. Um, explain to anyone and it's one of these things that uh, you know just needs to be considered when you get clinical signs of a, an animal setback and um, getting very dehydrated when um, you wouldn't have expected them to and usually there's a history there of them having grazed uh, waterlogged or, or wet ground in the few weeks previous. Again it could be very much farm specific. It's hugely farm specific and um, you know it's a uh, and two things go into that farm's uh, specificity in it. It's that the um, the ground has to be there that becomes waterlogged in the first place. And, you know, I think in a, a, a lot of drier farms, you know, people never consider that there could be a, a room and fluke problem there. But if like this year, you get very wet conditions at a certain time of the year, that just creates the habitat for this snail to to produce the rumen fluke um, stages that will infect the animal. And the, the other thing is that the animals are grazing those fields at that particular time of year. And again, that's awful farm specific. And um, it's, it's one that makes a lot of sense when you have the diagnosis and when you can say, oh, I know this was rumen fluke, now how did they get it? And you can trace back and you can find, you know, oh yeah, there, that's exactly how it happened. But it's a, it's a very difficult thing when you're they're wondering, oh, could it, could it not be? And uh, uh, never had it before. So all I'm saying and what I'd like people to be aware of um, is that it's something that's out there. It's something we're seeing a bit this year. We're probably coming towards the end of it, I hope now, you know, as we as we come to the end of November, we'd expect that, that, that the, the risk period for it is over. But um, it's one to hold in the back of the mind in case we get another wet year. Jim. Really appreciate you coming on. I think it's a very timely update. Thanks very much for your time today. You're very welcome, Karen. An absolute pleasure. Okay, we're going to finish the episode up at this point. I'd like to thank Shane again for coming on with us and highlight some of the key areas we need to pay attention to more talking about fluke and the potential challenge it poses this winter. 
I have included a link in the show notes to the Department of Agriculture's flu forecast, which you may find useful. That's it for me for this episode. For updates from our sheep programme, keep an eye on our Twitter page at Chagas Sheep. I'm Kieran Lynch. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us for more episodes.